workforce and workplace norms are shaped as much by popularized portrayals as they are by our lived experiences. From sensational headlines, like The Great Resignation, to successful series, like The Office and Silicon Valley, to skits and stories shared on our social media feeds, what we see shapes what we believe. Let's go behind the scenes to discover what's new now and next in the world of work, and we'll challenge the traditions of what it means to live well and to work well. This is Success From Anywhere. Today on Success From Anywhere, we'll meet a rebel with a cause who's charging toward middle managers with a mission-critical message. When managers take care of their people, results take care of themselves. Please welcome to the show Chief Management Rebel, creator of Diary Detox and author of the book, What Are You Doing? The Uncomfortable Truth About How You Waste Time at Work, Paul Holbrook. Welcome to the show, Paul. Thanks, Karen. How are you? I'm doing great because I am energized to find out about how I'm going to spend less time at work or spend my time better. And I know our listeners are as well. And as we start the conversation, I always invite guests to share what was your first paying job and how did that job influence your career trajectory? <laughs> Do you really want to know this? Oh, I really <laughs> want to know. And everybody listening does too. So give it to us. Okay. So my first paying job um, okay, basically, um, have you ever heard of long boats? So we call them narrow boats or barges in the UK. People would hire them out to go on holiday. Yes. So my, my one of my first paying jobs was to actually pump poo out of those boats. I, I kid you not. This is basically what I did on a glamorous <laughs> beginnings. <laughs> And when we get into talking about what I do later on, it becomes a little bit relevant, actually. Um, yeah, basically, I basically got paid to pump poo out of boats. And it was great. You know, it was a Saturday job as a kid. I really enjoyed it. Um, it was great being around friends. I mean, in terms of how it informed my life later on, I think that was kind of part of it, right? It, 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 for me, I actually enjoyed going to work at the weekend because I knew I was going to be around people that I like to be around. I was going to be with members of the public and you could have some really good fun with them. Um, it was a pretty grubby job, but it was fun and it didn't matter. And the reason it didn't matter is because it was fun and you were with people who you liked being with and you got to enjoy yourself and meet the odd famous person and not realize they were famous and get their autograph and realize they were massively famous later. But that's another story. But yeah, that was my first job. Wow. Well, I have to ask then, who was the most famous person you met and got the autograph? So um, it was a guy called David Cronenberg, um, who you may or may not know. I mean, he's, he's a very famous director. And actually, he directed The Fly, for example. And um, there, there was a program that used to be on in the UK. It was from America. It was called Hill Street Blues. And there was this big buzz going around that Renko, this kind of redheaded guy from Hill Street, was, was going to be coming to hire a boat. Everyone was going really excited. And, every, and of course, when this guy arrived for the first time, um, everybody swarmed around him. And there was this guy that he was with who was just kind of in the background. And I was just kind of standing back, like watching what was going on, thinking this is crazy. And I just got chatting to this guy. And, um, I, you know, as we got chatting, I said, so... So what do you do then? And he said, oh, I'm, I'm a director. And I went, oh, wow, well, okay, then, of course. Cool. I said, you were famous? He said, yeah, quite famous. 
I went, oh, wow. I said, can I have your autograph? And he went, yeah, sure. And he said, what shall I write? I said, write whatever you want. And he said, okay, here's a quote from The Fly. And it basically said, Paul, in quotes, help me, David Cronenberg. And afterwards, I thought, oh, thanks ever so much. And kind of went our, went our separate ways. And I thought, from The Fly? Surely not. And so we used to have video shops where you actually used to go and hire video cassettes. And I thought, no, he, he, he couldn't have directed that because I knew The Fly. It was a massive film, right? And I went down there and I picked it up off the shelf. And I looked at it and said, The Fly, directed by David Cronenberg. And I thought, wow, I've just met the director of The Fly and I didn't even realise it. So, yeah, maybe not massively famous for some people, but for me, it was a big thing. <laughs> From humble beginnings. And now you are on a mission I guess what you're directing, your film, in a sense, is to cast a world in which we have better led people. How did that become your mission? And really, the core question, is that doable? Yeah, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's so easily doable. It's, you know, Simon Sinek often says he, he, he's embarrassed that he has a job. Because a lot of the stuff that he talks about is relatively, well, we say common sense. It's not very common. If it was, then we wouldn't be doing it, right? Um, but I kind of feel the same way. Um, I think it's massively doable. Um, the start of the story really comes from, from me starting to work in the city of London, um, which would be relatively famous, a big financial centre. And when I started off, I was a coder. I, I did had a I got a degree in mathematics, and I started off being what we call a technical associate. So I was a graduate, and I started writing code for banks. And one of the things that kind of struck me when I first came into it was how poor a lot of the managers were that I'd had. There was one really great one who I started my career with, and I, I will never forget him. A guy called Jerry Shaw. He was fantastic. But unfortunately, he was one of very few really, really good managers that I saw when I was in, in the city. And I saw people miserable. I saw people mistreated. I saw people have their holiday cancelled, their training cancelled, being taken advantage of, being milked for all they were worth and seemingly working for managers that didn't appear to have a huge amount of care for them. And... After about a couple of years of doing that, I, I felt that I was more interested in how people worked than I was in how computers worked. And so that naturally saw me go up the management hierarchy rather than the technical hierarchy. And one thing that struck me, which was quite odd, and maybe it was just my character, was that when I became a manager for the first time, I saw my role no longer as doing what I used to do. For the first time, I saw my role as making it as simple as possible for my people to do theirs. That was it for me. And that for me is the essence of becoming a manager. It's kind of putting away what you used to do, focusing on your people. And by all means, if you have extra time in the background and you want to do a little bit of what you used to do, then fine, do it. But we have too many managers who do it the wrong way around. It's like they, they carry on doing what they wanted to do under the guise that they were going to get more money or they were going to get career progression and they would just manage a few people on the side when they have spare time. The problem is you never have spare time. And so what tends to happen is you spend all your time doing that stuff you used to love to do and you never ever spent any time with your people and they're the ones that really needed the manager. That's 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 the real problem we that we suffered from. And I didn't see it that way. You know, I spent my time looking after people. I wanted to get the most out of them and it stood me in good stead. You know, 20 years later, 
I was running a division of 350 people uh, for a bank, um, but still seeing those kind of those murmurings under the under the covers of, of other managers that just didn't get it. And, you know, I'd sometimes look around and that's where the title of the book came from. What are you doing? What are you doing? You, this is not what you're paid to do in terms of managers. And eventually my wife turned around to me and said, look, you're not going to be happy unless you are doing something about this. And, you know, you, you could be one person in a massive company trying to make a little bit of a difference or you could be have your own company and you could make a massive difference. So why don't I look after us for a while and you go start a business and let's see where we get to. And that was five years ago. Um, and that was the kind of journey uh, that, that led me to then start what became ultimately and and led to me accidentally finding the diary detox the premise and the promise of your new book is to give managers back one full day per week everyone listening has one question how yeah. uh, by removing all the stuff you don't need to do um, but what's really what's really interesting is that we've been doing what we do at work for so long that we've kind of almost fallen into the trap that believing that everything we do is what we should be doing and that we shouldn't question it. And it's like, we've always done it this way. Why would we change it? Um, <clears throat> so where, where this really came from was that I would often have people working for me who would say they didn't have enough time to do the things that I needed them to do as their boss. And I would often sit there and think, well, I, I gave you your job. I know what your job is. There's no reason you shouldn't have enough time to do these things. What is it that you're doing? And what was really fascinating is that one day there was this one guy, I won't, I won't name him because you'll know who he is. Um, and I just said, look, just out of interest, I said, there's a, we were in my office. I said, there's a board over there. I said, just in kind of 5% blocks or bigger, just tell me what it is you actually spend your time doing in an average week. And he said, oh, you know, I spend about 5% of my time doing this and about 10% of my time doing this and about 40% of my time is on this. And then I went, no, 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 whoa, rewind. I said, what's that 40%? Because I don't recognize it, yeah? I gave you your job, I don't know what that is. And he said, well, that's this project that has to be done. I said, yeah, but I get it has to be done, but why are you doing it? I said, well, because I have to. I said, do you? And he said, well, okay, no, I don't. It shouldn't be me doing it, but somebody else who should be doing it isn't doing it. And therefore it's in my way. Therefore I have to do it to get out of the way. I said, no, your job is to make sure that they do it. And that isn't by you jumping in and doing it yourself. And so what's interesting is that when I then found Diary Detox and people kind of said one of the biggest challenges is they have no time to do the stuff that we need managers to do. When you actually ask them to look at what they're doing using a different lens, look at it through a different lens, and I use the lens of colour, and you ask them just slightly different questions, it's amazing how often some of the things that they're doing are things that either add no value whatsoever or are things that they themselves, they probably do add value, but they themselves shouldn't be doing them. And when you can open people's eyes to that, it's almost like, I mean, with that particular guy, he just said, so I don't have to do that thing. So I basically just got 40% of my time back because this person will do it. I said, yeah. So he got two days back in a week that he no longer had to do. And it's, and it's that, it, it's that changing people's perceptions of the things they do to either remove stuff that adds no value or make sure they understand that some of the stuff they're doing isn't theirs to do and they put it in, in, in the right place. That is how managers 
can get on average about a day, a day back in their week. You mentioned asking different questions, maybe choosing yeah. to challenge what's on our calendars and our to-do lists. What are some of the questions yeah. we should all be asking of ourselves and of the people that we lead when it comes to how we spend our time? Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a number of them that you could, I mean, we could go through the colors of diary detox, but that would be quite long for us to do here. Um, and that, and actually the, the, one of the first questions we, or one of the first colors we talk about, but basically what we do is we, 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 we use color as a way of figuring out whether our time is spent making things better. So that's the green stuff, the growth, whether it's kind of making sure things are okay. So that's like risk management and that's amber stuff. There's the hands-on doing, the productivity, the delivery, and that's red stuff. Then we've got this, I'll, I'll leave the, the, the funny one to last, uh, the looking after our personal well-being, and that's the blue stuff. And this is a really important thing that we're not doing anywhere near enough of. And actually that's the first question we normally ask is the one around the blue stuff. But there's one other one, which is what is um, what we call brown stuff. And it's brown, and, and, we, and we use names for these things. And the brown stuff is called floating. And the reason it's brown and it's floating is because brown stuff that floats is, well, you it, can do the math on the rest of it. It's reminiscent right? of your first paid job. Exactly where I was going with that. Thank you very much for picking that up. Um, and so this is the thing. So, so what we're basically trying to do is we're trying to find, get people to find the brown stuff in their diary as quickly as possible, ideally before they've done it, but at least after they've done it so that they can spot it in future and never do it again. That, that's kind of what we're looking to do. And there's one really interesting question that you can, because a lot of people's brown stuff usually comes from meetings. It's not all from meetings, but a lot of it is from meetings. And uh, in the early days of the diary detox, when I first created it, I actually sat down with a, a CIO, a chief, chief information officer for a very large bank in the UK. And they were an ex-colleague of mine from my previous days uh, when I was working in the city. And he was somebody that was quite busy, very busy, in fact. And we went through this kind of process. And what was interesting is that about 10%, oh, no, sorry, 5% of his time was spent on brown stuff. And what was interesting is that when I asked him, I won't tell you what it is yet, but when we asked him about this thing that he was doing originally, I asked him what color he thought that would be. And he said, oh, it's green. It's definitely green. You know, it's full of growth. That's the green stuff. That's the leading. And I went, oh, wow, okay then. And then I asked him another question straight afterwards and then his answer changed and i said okay then so those things that you're talking about they're a meeting that you're having every week i said i want you to assume that that meeting got cancelled and it never got rearranged what would you have lost and he said nothing and i said that is the definition of brown it's a meeting that you have with somebody that you go, well, actually, if that meeting has got cancelled, I never had it, I wouldn't have lost anything anyway. OK, so what's interesting is that you've got somebody who would have sworn that a meeting they were having every week that was taking up 5% of their time was green growth related behaviour. But by just asking one very, very simple question, they, sl they flipped it completely to saying no, that would be that would be brown. 
And when you look at what it was that meeting was about, then you understand probably where this problem's coming from. And you're saying, you know, what, how can people find this? Because often we don't want to see what's right in front of us. That time that was spent that they swore was green was meetings with their boss. Okay, the meetings they were having with their boss every week, they were swearing was about green growth. But just by asking that question, if that meeting with your boss got cancelled and it never got rebooked, what would you have lost? And he said, nothing. I said, that's brown. And he went, but then you're saying that, that meeting is a waste of time. I said, I'm not saying it's a waste of time. You're saying it's a waste of time. I've just asked you what would happen if we cancel it. And you've said nothing. So would you want to change your answer? And he said, well, no. But what do I do about that? And it was like, well, there you go, right? I mean, <laughs> there's a large part of your week. You can claim that right now if you can just find the right technique to have the better conversation. And for him, you know, he was very worried that he was going to have to go to his boss and say, this meeting's a waste of time. I don't want to come to anymore. And it's like, no, 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 no. We're not saying you have to do that. What we are saying is that you have to question why it's a waste. You know, what, what is it that he's hoping to get out of it? And what is it that you're hoping to get out of it? And why do they not match up? Start to have that conversation. And let's either make it not brown, make it a green meeting by questioning why it's not been green so far or have a better conversation about why you're not seeing any value out of it. And maybe your boss might say, well, we don't have to have the conversation anymore. You know, it's a win win. You then just you just claim some time back. So it could be sometimes that you claim it back by stopping doing stuff that doesn't add value. Or it could be that you make the stuff that doesn't add value start to add value. And so you have kind of claimed it back, but you've got more value out of it. That's basically what this is about. And that's just one of the questions you could ask somebody around that. Color coding your calendar <clears throat> creates a pattern interrupt, right? It, it yeah. gives you a reason to step back and evaluate with data how you're spending your time. Then you shared some questions we can choose to challenge. How much value is any one of these activities truly adding? What would happen if it went away? So how do we either stop this activity or make it more valuable you're highlighting an important fact of the human condition though, which is when we start something and we feel we own it, we get attached to it. And sometimes all the data in the world still makes it difficult for us to address our own emotion of being afraid of, will I lose something if this goes away? How do you help people navigate yeah. that feeling of I'm losing something or maybe this secretly is really important, or I don't know who I would be without this work. I might not be as busy. And wow, we love to talk about busy as the badge of being a great employer, a great leader. Yeah, so I, I think the first part is about the, the self-awareness to start with, right? Because um, I've worked with, with managers in the past who have sworn that they are great leaders. Okay, a lot, a lot, a lot of the activity that they are doing is leading um, activity by definition, right? What's interesting is that you know, for me and the pattern interrupt, I love that. I, I usually use the analogy of a mirror, right? It, it's, it's like turning your calendar into a mirror that reflects back at you what it is you're actually doing, and ideally, you know, a, a really good manager should have a mix of those colours. And ideally, the more senior you are, the more green it should be and the less red it should be and vice versa. Um, so I think the first part of it is about getting people to see it and just at least can start to consider the idea, because up until this point, nobody is. You know, if people do use the ability to color code their calendar, they will usually color code it based on what they're doing. So they'll say, you know, I'm in a meeting, therefore it's 
black or I'm doing travel and therefore it's blue and I'm doing a, a one-to-one, therefore it's black or whatever else it would be, right? But the point is, is that the moment that you get somebody to change that from color coding what you're doing versus the value you're getting from what you're doing, that's when the conversation starts. Yeah. And for some, they'll look at it and go, wow, I want to change that completely. Yeah. They're the really easy ones to work with. The ones that you're talking about there are the more challenging ones who won't really want to consider it. They'll go, yeah, but that doesn't make sense because if I'm not doing this myself, then people will start to question what my role is. And it's like, well, what is your role? You know, it, it actually becomes a coaching conversation then to question, well, what is your role? What, what do you see yourself as? Are you a coach? Are you a manager? Are you actually a frustrated doer that just wants to do stuff and doesn't want to manage? And that can be, you know, equally as a valid conversation. So I think the first point of it is to actually get people to start questioning. And like I said, I've, I've worked with people who have sworn that they spend a lot of their time leading, that actually more often than not, their diary is very amber. Okay, and the amber stuff is more about supervising. It's not about leading at all. It's about delegating stuff, telling people what to do, giving them instruction and saying, I want you to do this. I want you to do that or going in and finding out if things are happening the way they should be. Now, that is certainly about what supervision is, but it's not about leading in any way. You're not giving people a vision and asking people to follow you. You're just telling them what to do. The problem with that is that the moment you go on holiday and and this is sometimes how it can be helpful is that what you'll find is some of those people will find that their managers who everything works while they're there. But the moment they go on holiday, everything falls apart. Okay, and what will happen is they'll end up on the phone all the time or they'll end up getting called into meetings, even though they're on holiday. And so what you tend to do then is you tend to hear about these. You see this color. And I can make a pretty good guess right now to say, OK, it's quite amber. So therefore, what happens when you go on holiday and they'll say, oh, well, this happens or and you can say, do you tend to get called into a lot of meetings? Do you tend to find that things don't go so well when you go away? And they'll go, yeah, it does, actually. How did you know that? And it's like, because well, that's how you spend your time. And so what it does, it actually I've always said that um, a lot of techniques that look at this stuff tend to be what we call lag indicators. Yeah, they, you can look at them after the fact, like profits are a lag indicator, right? If you do the right things, you don't find out till later whether or not they were the right things because your profits go up. What we really need from a management and a leadership point of view is a lead indicator. We need to know before it happens whether or not it's the right thing to do so that we know we're doing the right things. What the colors tend to become is they tend to become a lead indicator. I know that if you are spending quite a lot of your time on the amber stuff right now, chances are you're going to be building a dependency on you so that when you're away from the office, everything falls apart. Whereas if you're doing a lot of the green stuff, chances are you're building the people around you who can take things on when you walk away. So there's a number of ways in which these colors can work with people. But uh, often the biggest thing is about showing that value and giving people almost um anecdotal stories about how what i'm now seeing plays out in their day-to-day and as soon as they recognize that they go well that's exactly what's happening so how do i change it and that's hopefully when things start to change it it, you know we always say the first step to recovery is admitting you have a problem (laughs) and giving them that sense of the uh, of the color is the first step to finding out whether there's a problem and even if they don't want to accept it that in itself is a really really great conversation with people to see why they don't accept it did you know that 68% of workers say a hybrid workplace is their preference make hybrid work for everyone with robin 
Robin is the industry-leading flexible workplace platform for connecting people with rooms, desks, and each other. We've helped companies like Peloton, Toyota, and Hulu build better workplace experiences. Plus, we integrate with the tools you already know and love. To learn more about how we make flexible work a reality, visit www.robinpowered.com. Your recent research reveals the average employee globally wastes 11 hours per week. And you're showing us how mm -hmm. to diagnose those 11 hours. For people who are listening yeah. that want the four-day work week, for example, here it is. You can mm -hmm. reclaim this and be yeah. a higher value leader and work less. When you and I met for our Authority Magazine interview, you revealed a concept I thought was profound called the Foundation Week. Tell us what a Foundation Week is and based on what we've been talking about, how would we all design a Foundation Week? Wow. Um, so, I mean, probably a little, bit of, a little bit of context to that. So remember I was talking about the colors and we talked about the, the green leading, the amber supervising, the red doing, and then the brown floating. And there was this other color blue, which was living. And about two years ago, it became clear to me that spending our time looking at how we spend our time at work is important. It's eye-opening and in some respects it's profound. What became quite clear, though, especially with the uh, with the global pandemic that came up, is that people started to work more and more. And lots of people used to use the excuse that, you know, I'm, well, I'm, I'm commuting, so I have to do all this. And there were lots of excuses that come up that justified why we work the way we did. And of course, when we then had to commute no longer, that theoretically should have given us so much time back to look on our own, look after our own personal well-being. But what happened? we worked even longer to what was really going on. And, and it, it told me that there was something missing. There, there was a need to look at another dimension. And that was where the blue color came in, which was for living. And it was really clear to me that we, we've kind of grown accustomed to living in the gaps between work, right? And there's this thing called Parkinson's law. Parkinson's law says that if you give yourself three hours to do a task, chances are it will take three hours because we'll probably spend one, one or two of them procrastinating and thinking, oh, I've got three hours, doesn't work. I'll go and look at my internet or go look at LinkedIn or go look at my email. And then at the moment where you actually have no more time left, you go, oh, I should probably focus on it now. And then you do it. So it actually takes three hours to do something that should have only probably have taken an hour. It's kind of the same with work, right? What, what tends to happen is we tend to get up, we go to work, we do our thing, people hijack us, we go to lots of meetings that we don't really need to go to, we're interrupted, God knows how many times a day. And also we're spending a lot of our time in email. But then it gets to the kind of end of the day when everybody then goes home and everything quietens down and we realise actually we've got all this work to do. And so what do we do? Well, we just work longer hours and then we just fit in all that work that we should have been doing. Part of the reason that happens is because in our day, we have loads of gaps. You know, we, we use our calendars as a, as a repository for meetings. Yeah, so when somebody comes and interrupts us and says, have you got a moment to help me? We look at our diary and we go, yeah, I've got loads of time. There's like a gap there. And we, it's, we haven't got a gap. It's just that we haven't put anything in it that's more useful. And so what we do is we fill it with other stuff. And then when, when we actually get to the end of the day, like I said, then we've got loads of time. So we actually start doing our job. So what was key for me is that we need to get people to start thinking at the moment where they're interrupted or at the moment where they're like to be procrastinating or whatever else. Let's make sure they've got a true view about what's really going on. And so what I decided to do was to, to start creating a real view of what's happening in our life.
And so I created Blue Behaviour, which is called Living. And what I, I started doing it for myself is I started to plan in the time that I needed for my personal well-being. Okay, so up until recently, people have made that the last thing they plan in. Okay, I'll do all my work and then I've got some time left for the family or I've got time left to do a hobby or I've got time left for whatever else. What I decided to do was to turn the whole thing on its head was actually to make it so that the first thing that you plan into your diary is the blue stuff. Planning your living first. If you want to get a life, you need to plan a life. And that was what the foundation week became. Okay. So what I tend to do is part of the diary detox method. The very first thing that you do is you put in your foundation week. So what this is, is it's about sitting down and thinking, what are all the things that I need to do or that I need to put in my life in order for me to stay on top of my mental, physical, spiritual, or emotional well-being? Okay. And it can be really simple things, right? It could be like having a lunch break. It's amazing how many people just don't have a lunch break. Yeah. They'll go to a meeting and they'll carry the sandwich in them and they'll be eating as they're doing it. Just having some downtime. So having a lunch break, uh, having breakfast with a loved one or with a colleague or with somebody you like to talk to, taking the dogs for a walk, um, uh, exercising, uh, taking a break twice a day. Yeah. I mean, how many times have you got to another meeting and said, actually, do you mind if I just go to the toilet? And it's like, why are we starting off a meeting with, do you mind if I go to the toilet? You know, we, we just don't plan this stuff in. We don't plan, and we know we're going to need to do it because we need it every day. We always need to eat. We always need to go to the loo. We need to sleep. <laughs> we just need to spend some time on ourselves, right? So for me, creating the foundation week was about saying, if you were given carte blanche, what would you love to have in your week that makes sure that you stay balanced? And that's the thing that you get people to plan in first. Now, what's interesting about that is that when you then plan it in, you find that the amount of time that you have left over for actual work is a lot smaller than it is when you look at it without it there, right? Normally without that stuff there, you just have it's a whole week, it's loads of time to work. But as soon as you start putting in that blue stuff, you go, actually, there isn't really a lot of time left over. I mean, there's enough time, but not as much time. And what that tends to do is that tends to fight your procrastination, right? Because it's kind of like flipping Parkinson's law on its head. Because what now happens is you go, well, I've only got an hour to do that piece of work. And guess what? It only takes an hour. And guess what? If you gave yourself two hours, it would have taken two or three. So by putting in your foundation week, you are not living in the gaps between work. You are working in the gaps between life. And just by doing that, you are giving yourself so much better a shot at having a physical, mental, spiritual, emotional well-being that is going to make you better when you actually go to work. That is a profound shift in thought process and priorities. And so many mm. leaders I work with, and I'm sure the same is true for you, are concerned about the degree of burnout. Their employees are either surfacing through some kind of a survey, perhaps, or sharing in one-on-ones, or it's just observable, right? I mean, you can see burnout on someone's face, even in a mm. Zoom meeting. And what I'm wondering is how does the system that you've created help managers have any kind of leading indicators, as we were talking about earlier, as opposed to lagging indicators of this burnout? You know, someone quits, they have to take the leave yeah. of absence. I mean, is there a way to have leading indicators of burnout and prompt managers to intervene before it becomes 
a serious issue. Yeah, yeah, I think there is. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I don't think it's going gonna, it's gonna to detect all indications of potential burnout because I think burnout comes from many different places. But the one around overwork and not enough attention on your personal life, I think there's definitely um, a part to play that this has in that. Okay, so um, what what I've uh, when I created Diary Detox, the Diary Detox itself is a tool. Okay, and it started off as a tool to help individuals better prioritize and focus and plan their time to get the things that they need to get done done. That's what it was originally about. As time has gone on, and with that original vision in mind, which is to create a world of better led people, what I wanted to do is actually take managers on a journey. So first of all, they start to use this method for them to help themselves out, but also then to help their people out. So let's just start with where they are right now, okay? So <clears throat> the diary, de the, the essence of the diary detox, there's, there's two real kind of main parts to it. There's this thing called a weekly detox, and something called a spot detox. The weekly detox is just a weekly process of about 30 minutes where a manager will sit down, look at what they've done for their past week, look in the mirror, look at those colors and say, was that what I intended to do? And if it wasn't, why not? What changed? What happened? What could I do differently next time? But then also what it does is go, well, what are your priorities going forward? And how do you want to plan your week going forward to achieve the things that you want to achieve? Okay, that's what the weekly detox is. Like I said, it's about 30 minutes. Now, to make it easier to go through that, um, I had I had the, the, the method incorporated into an app. And that's the app. And what happens is when you're going to go through your weekly detox, you press the top button and it basically you get talked through it by me. I basically talk you through each of the steps that will take you through the diary detox. Okay. Now what's interesting is that at various points, it will then get you to put in, it'll say, look at your diary now and put in how many hours you have of each of the colors. And as you start putting in the hours, it then will create a percentage and it will show you how much of your time is spent on the green, the amber, the red, the brown, and the blue. And what happens is, is that if you spend too much of your time and in the settings, you get to define how many hours is a good number of hours for you to work in a week. For me, it's 35 hours fairly arbitrary, a fairly you know, arbitrary number. But what will happen is that based on how many hours you put into there, it will then say, well, this is how many hours you are spending on what you're doing versus what you wanted to do. And the key one there for the lead indicator on burnout is the blue one. Mm -hmm. So what will happen is if you are working the number you intended or less than the number, then your blue indicator will show you're a hundred percent. It's like a battery. Yeah. You're getting a hundred percent of your recharge versus 100% of what you want. But as soon as you start working above that number of hours, that number starts to come down. You're getting 95% versus 100%. You're getting 90% versus 100%. That's your lead indicator for you to then start as a manager, for you to look at it yourself and go, ooh, that doesn't look good. So why is that happening? Why am I having to work more hours than I think I should have to work? And of course, it's all there in your diary. You can figure out where all this time is going, right? So that's the way the manager themselves can have a lead indicator. But part of the whole ecosystem of Diary Detox is this program called Time to Lead. And first of all, it's about getting managers to start using this to help themselves become better managers. But then latterly, it's about helping them become better leaders. And when they come into that realm, 
the idea is that their people start to use the app for their own weekly detox and the manager has a portal in which they can look in and it doesn't tell them how many hours their people are working that's not what's important because everybody has a different view about how many hours is good for them but what the manager does get to see is the percentage they get to see their battery and if they get to see that one of their people their battery is at like 80 percent versus 100 percent that's an early indicator to the manager to go in and go hey look part of our one-to-one -one, i'm seeing that your battery's down at 85 what's going on what you know why are you having to work so many more hours than you think you should and again it doesn't tell you how many hours because that would be a bit big brothery why are you having to work so many more hours and it opens up a conversation a proper management conversation about is everything okay and it could be that they say well you know there's a lot going on at home you know having problems in my marriage which is basically causing me more stress i'm not getting as much done my mind's elsewhere i'm having to work more hours and these are just conversations that most managers just aren't having with their people. It's almost like we're telling our managers that you shouldn't care about your people. It's like your job is just to check up on whether people are getting results. And it's almost like when you have a one-to-one, -one, we're almost teaching our managers that the first question they should be asking them is, what are you doing? Rather than, how are you doing? And actually mm -hmm. really meaning it. So that lead indicator for me is the blue stuff. It's about creating that um, lead indicator understanding what's really going on in your personal life so you can then start having the conversation around it it's not happening anywhere near enough speaking of conversations and life i like to do a segment in the show that is a virtual water cooler everyone says they miss <laughs> right spontaneous conversation in the office where you get to know each other I'd like to transition into kind of our lightning round. Imagine we're making a cup of okay. tea together and I'm just gonna ask you five quick questions. Say the first answer that comes to your mind. Are you ready? I'm ready, go, go, go. What go. time of day do you do your best work? Uh, first thing in the morning, eight, nine, ten o'clock. If there were no dress code for work, how would you dress? Uh, I would wear shorts and I'd wear um, thongs or flip-flops or sandals, whatever you want to call them. And I would usually, I always wear the same color of the thing I'm doing. So right now I'm doing uh, communicating. So this is green. So I would wear whatever color I would be doing at that moment. But hopefully lots of green. <laughs> you color coded your couture. I love it. <laughs> yes. So what, what part of your daily routine do you most look forward to each day? Uh, if we ignore, I, I, I don't often ignore my wife, but if we ignore my wife for a moment, because I love spending time with her, uh, it would be exercise probably. A really good, it's a really great bit of blue behavior for mental well-being. I mean, I do my best non-thinking at that time. If you could have or do any job in the world, what would it be? Mine. That's awesome. Now, and I'm expecting greatness here. Now imagine there are 25 hours in the day instead of 24. How do you spend your extra hour? Uh, I definitely spend it on more blue stuff. Um, I think work gets enough of us. I don't think it needs any more of us. So I think it would definitely be something blue. Do you know what? I would probably do one of two things. They're two things I absolutely love doing and they're two things I don't get enough time to do, <laughs> ironically. Uh, one of them is uh, playing the piano. Um, so I play the piano, I love doing that and my wife loves hearing me play the piano and every time I do it she'll say, 
play the piano more because I really love listening to you play. So that's probably one of the things I do. And then the other thing, but this is slightly more expensive, is I love to fly planes. Mm. So I would probably fly more as well. What fun. And when I think about (laughs) your concept of giving every person, every working person one day per week back, several of your concepts really resonated. Color code your calendar. Look at what that data is telling you. Ask your calendar if this meeting went away and never got rescheduled, what would happen? Choose to challenge the concept of if you go away on holiday, what happens to your team or your working environment? Great clues about how you're leading and create a foundation week so that you are living your life and working in the gaps as opposed to the opposite. Paul, where can people find you to stay connected? So a number of places. Um, you could either go on to LinkedIn. I'm there. It's Paul Holbrook, uh, FLPI. That's basically, it, it's Fellow of the Learning and Performance Institute. It's there for no other reason that people that want to speak to, F, to Fellows of the Learning and Performance Institute will search for FLPI. So that's the only reason that's there. Um, there's also uh, go to diarydetox.com. Um, and then you'll find more about what's going on there. There's the book on Amazon, um, which is uh, What Are You Doing? And the pronunciation for it is, what are you doing? I mean, seriously, what are you doing? Um, Those are the three main places that you can find me. But also, if you want to get a bit of a taste as to some of the colours and uh, examples in life that uh, that give rise to those colours, then I've also got a YouTube channel called Diary Detox as well. And uh, you'll find that every single one of those videos, I'm wearing a different colour t-shirt, and it's usually related to the thing I'm talking about at that time. Last question as we close. What is one (laughs) step every listener can take as soon as this podcast concludes to start their own Diary Detox? I've got to say it's the foundation week. Just go and get a calendar. Just draw your Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday out from whatever time to whatever time and just draw out the things that you know you need in order to make sure that your mental, physical, spiritual and emotional well-being is taken care of. Think about your lunch, your breaks, your breakfast, your shower, your exercise, walking the dogs spending time with your loved ones, playing the piano, flying, doing all that stuff, put all that stuff in there and then put it straight into your diary and then make it repeating. Okay. If you look at my diary in seven years time, you will see a whole bunch of blue things in there, which are recurring meetings with myself to do the things that I know are going to look after my mental well-being. That is honestly the most significant way you could make a difference right now because it will mean you'll spend less time procrastinating and wasting time on other stuff at work that you simply don't need to do. Thank you to Paul Holbrook for revealing how to take our time back by changing our relationship with time today on Success From Anywhere because success is not a destination. Success is not a location. Success is available to anyone, anywhere, anytime. Thanks for joining us. Oh, 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 oh,